My name is DJ Dongji. My name is MC Malanka. If you're extremely well educated, you'll know that this is a show entitled Merry Everything to You. Xmas, Hanukkah, Winter Solstice, Saturnalia, Winterval, Festivus, Christmaca, Kwanzaa, Moon Kwanzaa, December Ween. <laughs> And anything else we've forgotten. Yes, we're trying to please everybody. <laughs> yes, obviously we're just irritating everybody. <laughs> that's that's what we're doing. That's how it usually works. Mm-hmm. Yes, This is our festive, as you might have gathered, edition of the show, where we try to cover as many different uh, faiths and paths as possible. Hey, we missed one Christmas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> that's just saved myself from an eternity roasting in hell, then. <laughs> Good. In between all of the festive cheer, though, we, of course, we do have MC Malanka and his unnecessary news. That's right, a wonderful world of beautiful things is in your hands. <laughs> You're listening to it right now, dear listener. It's in, it your, is. it's in your ears as well. Cup your iPod, <laughs> or whatever it is you're listening to. Yes. Now, neither MC Milanko nor myself could possibly be called Devo fans, has to be said. However, they do seem to have struck gold with this particular tune, which they've contributed to a compilation that came out a couple of years ago called Gift Wrap Volume 2, Snowed In. And this is their own attempt to please everybody with a tune called Merry Something to You.
We started that selection with Merry Something to You by Devo. The track we just listened to was James Last. James Last, of course. <laughs> the unmistakable brassy sound of James Last. Hansy there with Hava Nagila, of course. <laughs> From an album called Make the Party Last. 25 all-time party great. It's got a great cover. Yes. He's leaning against... A glass of wine. Now, it's either a giant glass of wine or James Last is a tiny man, the size of a thumb. You decide, listeners. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, it is. Bringing the sort of party spirit to uh, some some traditional Hebrew dance music there. The Jewish theme tune, as many the Jewish people call tune. it. <laughs> With love. Uh, yes. You are listening to Project Moonbase. You can find out more about the show by going to our website, projectmoonbase.com. If you want to find out details about this particular show, it's projectmembers.com slash everything. There are plenty of other ways to get in touch with us. For example, Twitter. That's right. If you want to share your thoughts with us, just say hello or spread the word. Twitter.com forward slash Project Moonbase. Just hashtag us. We always enjoy it if you say anything about the show. <laughs> we'll ignore it if, if it's bad, obviously. Yes. We like to have a little chit-chat, don't we? We do, yeah. We're not too high and mighty no, no. to tweet right back no, no. occasionally. We are now going to move in the direction of um, a relatively recent invention. Uh, 1967. Very good. There's a fact there, dear listener. Facts! Dangling facts! We don't actually have random facts, but there we are. Random fact. Relatively recent invention uh, by uh, uh, African-Americans called Kwanzaa. We do celebrate Moon Kwanzaa, of course, up here. Mm -hmm. MC uh, Malanko has discovered a fantastic album of Kwanzaa music, which includes this next truly terrifying... Well, supposedly celebratory party tune. <laughs> I'm not convinced this would really work terribly well in a nice family atmosphere in the lounge. Listeners, that's why you need to play this at the <laughs> next party. This is a, basically a party. <laughs> it is, yeah. Party podcast. It is. Party show. And try it. Just try this track. Just weave this track in <laughs> to your next winter seasonal party of whatever <laughs> denomination it is. See if you enjoy the Bayule singers with a track called Dance of the Witch Doctor.
I'm not entirely convinced that it was an African-American who put this compilation together. What, you think it was a white supremacist that put together a, a Kwanzaa LP? I, I doubt it. I just, Trying to get some of that Kwanzaa money. I just didn't think we were supposed to be calling African pagans witch doctors anymore, but uh, apparently there we are. That's Dance of the Witch Doctor. I assume that they know what they're doing. I've no idea. From the slightly terrifying Baule singers, and you can get that on an album of, of Kwanzaa tunes if you want to have a whole Kwanzaa-themed party. It's a mixed bag. It, <laughs> Of terrifying stuff like that and yes. other things. But I, I enjoy, I rather enjoy it. That's good, yeah, it's good. It reminded me a little bit of Mandingo. Mm. We should be returning with a beatnik celebration of Christmas. But first of all, we're going to enter the non denominational meeting location of Unnecessary News. The Boeing Black Phone. Yeah, sinister. Apparently it's an Android-based smartphone from the Aerospace and Defence Contracting Company. It's been long in development, but uh, very little has been heard of it for the last two years. Boeing has announced a partnership with BlackBerry. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Surprised? <laughs> to provide help with security and encryption. Boeing's device goes to a number of lengths to ensure data and communication security. Encrypted calls, there are dual SIM card slots, and the ability to connect with satellites and biometric sensors via the back panel. All data will be erased if the tamper-proof casing is taken apart. Oh, and finally, it has the ability to self-destruct. <laughs> As the ultimate security measure. Do you think it plays the Mission Impossible theme just before it explodes? And hopefully a little bit of smoke wisps out. Yeah. It's interesting that Boeing have partnered with BlackBerry. Do you think that's because if someone's iPhone or Android exploded, they'd be upset, but you could just blow up BlackBerry's all day long and nobody's going to shed a tear? It's just my... I think that's a good theory. My thinking. Thai propaganda video slammed for Hitler image. <laughs> film commissioned by the country's rulers is supposed to promote the core values for children, but has been branded as offensive. An official video promoting 12 core values every Thai student must learn has been criticised as it contains a grinning schoolboy painting an image of Adolf Hitler. <laughs> the youngster is applauded by his smiling classmate in the film, which has been condemned by the Israeli embassy in Bangkok and ridiculed on social media. The 11 minute video commissioned by Thailand's military rulers as part of the Junta's campaign to return happiness to the people has been screened before movies in cinemas since Saturday. An official in the Prime Minister's office said the uh, the Nazi imagery would soon be replaced and called the uproar a misunderstanding. He said the film is good but it has caused a slight misunderstanding in our society. We won't stop the project, but we will replace the problematic figure with another more appropriate one. <laughs> the video tells the story of two children learning about life and loyalty. The official explained the boy shown merrily painting an image of Hitler while jokingly trying to compare his mother to the dictator. <laughs> but the video would give you no clue. There's no explanation <laughs> of, of that. It's part of a sequence without dialogue that depicts an otherwise normal day at school, boys catching butterflies. <laughs> yeah doing experiments in the chemistry class and exercising on a karate map and then, then of course, finishing up with a nice portrait of Hitler. <laughs> Israel's ambassador to Thailand was not amused. He said he was deeply saddened to see this trivialisation and misuse of Nazi symbols. That's a weird thing to say, isn't it? Like, I'm upset that you're using them in a, in a, in a trivial way. In a trivial yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't quite know what that means. Anyway, he said, I was surprised. This is great, the way he's said this. I was surprised that throughout the screening process, this movie must have gone through to be approved for public broadcast. None of the smart, well-educated people checking it had identified it as being problematic. <laughs> Very carefully written. Because you're not really supposed to <laughs> criticise the government in Thailand unless you want to be thrown into some kind of dark hole, mm. potentially. Very delicately done. Very, very delicate. These people are obviously very intelligent. It's a, <laughs> an amazing mistake. Uh, I don't know how it happened. I assume they just looked away from the screen. Yes. Last year, Thailand's University Chulung Long Korn University apologised for displaying a billboard showing Hitler alongside Superman and other superheroes, saying <laughs> it had been painted by ignorant students. <laughs> students. And finally, magic mushrooms found in Buckingham Palace. Magic mushrooms have been discovered growing in the Queen's official residence. Oh by guess who? TV gardening guru Alan Titchmarsh. <laughs> you troublemaker, Titchmarsh! <laughs> a species of red and white toadstool known as Flyer Garrick was found by presenter Titchmarsh <laughs> on a private 40-acre plot during the filming of The Queen's Garden, which will be broadcast on ITV 
on Christmas Day, look out for it. On the programme, Titchmarsh asks ecology expert Professor Mike Crawley, is it edible? Professor Crawley replies, that depends on what you mean. <laughs> it's eaten in some cultures for its hallucinogenic effects, but it also makes people who eat it very sick. And it also makes them listen to Pink Floyd. The old-fashioned thing to do was to feed it to the village idiot, then drink his urine, because then you get the high without any of the sickness. Well, that's a, that's a useful tip, isn't it? He's really selling it to us there. Titchmarsh, who never looks in danger of trying the psychoactive fungi guy, then says, I think I'll forgo that and stick to normal mushrooms. Oh, yeah, he did. A spokesman for Buckingham Palace said, For the avoidance of doubt, fungi from the garden are not used in the palace kitchen. Well, of course not. Her Madge probably just says to Prince Philip, I've got some mushes for you. Just wee in that cup when you're finished. I might start watching gardening programmes if uh, the likes of Alan Titchmarsh took some flying garret before going on air. Yeah. Like, make the whole thing more entertaining. Yeah, just look at him staring <laughs> wide-eyed at nature. <gasps> it's amazing! <laughs> I'm at one with the universe! <laughs> You have been used. Abba Zabba. Thank you, MC Zucanium. Thank you, sir. For that very trippy selection of new stories. There'll be more later on in the show. was the night before Christmas and all through the pad not a hip cat was swinging and that's nowhere dad the stove was hung up in that stocking routine like maybe the fat man would soon make the scene the kids that fell by had just made the street I was ready for Snoresville man was I beat when there started a rumble that came on real frantic so I opened the window to figure the panic I saw a slick rod that was making fat tracks, souped up by eight ponies, all wearing hat racks. And a funny old geezer was flipping his lid. He told them to make it, and man, like they did. They were out of the chute making time like a bat, turning the quarter in eight seconds flat. They parked by the smokestack in bunches and clusters, till Chubby slid down, coming on like gangbusters. His threads were from Cubesville, and I had to chuckle. In front, not in back, was his Ivy League buckle. The mop on his chin hit a button-down collar. And with that red nose, Dad, <laughs> he looked like a baller. Like he was the squarest, the most absolute. But let's face it, huh? Who cares when he left all that loot? He laid the jazz on me and peeled from the gig. Well, and have a cool you, man, later. Like Dick? The sound of Ed Kooky Burns there with a deliciously laid-back treatment of Twas the Night Before Christmas, or in that particular case, a track called Yulesville. If you like that sound, you can maybe rewind back to projectmoonbase.com slash bongos. We want to appeal to other beatniks out there. Space beatniks as well. Space beatniks, yes. Now, you can contact us on Tumblr, projectmoonbase.tumblr.com. Yes, we're also on Instagram, aren't we? Well, that's instagram.com slash projectmoonbase. We also have an Amazon portal if you go to projectmoonbase.com. You can leap through the Amazon portal. On the top right, says Amazon, go through there and we will get some space nuggets. Mm. It is that giving time of year, so feel free to exercise your generosity through our web portal. Yeah, if you're doing your Yuletide shop or post-Yuletide shop or uh, Hanukkah Kwanzaa, Moon Kwanzaa shop, <laughs> December Ween shop. That's right. Get all your December Ween shopping through Amazon. <laughs> we'll get a little space nugget. Or, failing that, listeners, just tell a friend. It's a time of year for spreading the good word, isn't it? Mm -hmm. About the show. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Peace on Earth, and please tell people about ProjectMoonBase.com. <laughs> we could do with some more listeners. Mm. Now, we're going to have, I think possibly the first time in the show, an Arthur Double Bill. <laughs> wow. It's not a very common name of a musician, but I'm sure many listeners will be familiar with this first musician, the great Arthur Lyman, one of the fathers of Exotica. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a Hawaiian treatment of quite a well-known tune, but this is done in the Hawaiian language, and in the Hawaiian language it's called Meli Kalikimaka. 
going to sing about Kwanzaa, a holiday celebrating people of African descent and African culture. The word Kwanzaa means first fruits of the harvest in Swahili. Come on, everyone, it's Kwanzaa time! Let's come together now, it's Kwanzaa time! Let's come together now, it's Kwanzaa time! We celebrate Kwanzaa because it's a way to teach the principles that we must learn to reap the wealth of every seed we sow. The Nguzo Saba gives us values and a way to show we're building a future we can harvest so the world will know. We will have a gathering. We'll bring our whole family. We'll explore our family tree. Celebrate our history. Yes, it's Kwanzaa time, everybody. <laughs> you may not know what Kwanzaa is, or maybe you do. <laughs> anyway, it's about that time again, and that was Arthur, and before that, Arthur. That particular Arthur was Arthur and Friends from mm. an album called Arthur's Perfect Christmas, which he very kindly includes an explanation of Kwanzaa. That's right. And before that, Arthur Lyman with Meli Kalikimaka. <laughs> very good. Please note, though, that uh, the Arthur in Arthur and Friends is a registered trademark. Registered. Mm. <laughs> to Arthur. You can't use it. In fact, I'm not even sure we're allowed to say it. <laughs> That's a nice explanation of Kwanzaa for you. Mm. Now we're heading into uh, very sinister territory. We're reaching out to fans of uh, the world of uh, Cthulhu. All hail Cthulhu! <laughs> All hail Cthulhu. I was reminded when putting the show together, we picked up a couple of albums by the wonderfully named H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. Yeah, is it cthulhu as well? I suppose it is, yes. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Merry cthulhu The H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society are actually a musical ensemble. Maybe they do hold lectures as well, but anyway, they've released a couple of albums where they essentially take quite well-known Christmas carols and give them a Cthulhu twist. With that in mind, this comes from the first of these terms. It's called A Very Scary Solstice, and it's a tune called It's the Most Horrible Time of the Year. It's the most horrible time of the year With the nights getting longer, the evil is stronger And there's much to fear it's the most horrible time of the year It's the unhappiest season of all When your knuckles are widening from visions so frightening You must not recall It's the unhappiest season of all Great Cthulhu is calling, and sanity's falling, and cultists are roaming the land. With the darkness descending, our destiny's bending to forces we can't understand. It's the most horrible time of the year. There'll be ritual killing, and omens fulfilling, as old ones appear. It's the most horrible time of the
was the Gower Wassail by the Christmas Revels. That's right. Christmas Day in the Morning is the album. A little bit of a change of pace there, a little bit of a pagan feel. Because mm. we, we went from the H.P. Lovecraft Society, That's possibly right. taking a, a rather mocking view yeah, indeed, yeah. to the period, and we've, we've gone straight to the world of wassailing. And you may be saying to yourself, what is wassailing? Yeah. Well, there's two types of wassailing, isn't there? There's going around a house and wassailing, Yes. and there's going to a forest... That's or right. maybe an orchard. An orchard where you traditionally would pour some cider on the ground and sort of sing to the, and the apple trees and bring on the harvest for next year. I like the fact that there is echoes of, of that in modern day times when gangsters are pouring some cristal on the ground for their uh, peeps or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't really spend much time with gangsters, but I'm fairly certain I've seen some, some rapists. Some, some gangster rap- were sailing. Pouring, pouring some uh, beverages ah. of an alcoholic nature on Very the good. ground in memoriam mm, oh. of their fallen comrades, yes. should we say. So this is similar, it's except kind of similar. it's with apples. <laughs> and it's got something to do with caroling as well. well yeah, apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently the house version, house visiting, not they're not, not, not as in Not the Not that type. The house visiting version turned into, well, we call it caroling these days, apparently. Mm, you're singing. Yes, that's right. So that was some of that. I enjoyed that. It was very, um, come back to the Middle Ages and let's do something creepy around trees. <laughs> well, just drinking, basically. basically it's just yeah. what bumpkins do today, isn't it? That's I mean, right, yeah. if you get enough cider in you, you just start hanging around trees, wearing smocks. Mm-hmm. I think paganism is essentially alcoholism a lot of drinking. wrapped up as a, some sort of religious faith. Vomiting on trees. <laughs> We've just really offended some pagans there. If you are a pagan, we're both moon pagans up here. Please don't invoke any charms or hexes hexes against us. Yeah. We're going to be keeping up the horror once we return shortly, dear listener. But first of all, we're going to enter the judgment-free communal space. Unnecessary news. Kim Jong-un bans people from having the same name as him. In North Korea, the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un has banned his nation's citizens from having the same name as him. But what happens if you already have the same name as him? To the (laughs) case! Yeah, you don't ask what happens. It's not good. According to the Daily Mail, okay, the order was put into force in 2011. But due to the secretive nature of North Korea, it's only just come to light. In addition to ensuring no newborns were given the dear leader's name, you're going to call your baby dear leader. (laughs) Bouncing baby dear leader. The law also stated all party organs and public security authorities should make a list of residents named King John and train them to voluntarily change their names. (laughs) That's an interesting way of putting it. Mm. It's a little bit hard to verify whether this is true or not, but let's face it, connected to some of the other things they've been up to, this all seems fairly sane, doesn't it? Apparently, South Southern Korean officials have reported that Kim's predecessor, Kim Jong-il, and Kim Il-sung enforce similar laws. I might start calling myself DJ, dear leader. I should quite like the sound of that. Oh, that's a good one. Well, maybe we should do a whole show about dictators. (laughs) The fun side. The North Korean embassy to the United Kingdom has refused to comment on the issue. See, the difference is, if you lived in the UK, you would just voluntarily want to change your name if you were called, you know... (laughs) David Cameron. David Cameron. Tony Blair. Oh, yes. Margaret Thatcher, etc. You'd just change it, wouldn't you? You'd have to, otherwise your life would be in absolute misery. Inside Spielplatz, Britain's only naked village. That's a bit German sounding, isn't it? It is, yeah. 
<laughs> decidedly generative. suspicious. <laughs> a secretive town. But you can't have a secretive town. I like, the, I like the idea of having a secretive town. But a town does not have a consciousness. <laughs> so it cannot be secretive. Anyway, it's full of naturists oh. in Herefordshire. Really? And it's opening up to a TV documentary. Oh, no. Does anybody watch TV anymore? <laughs> listen, if you're doing the right thing using the internet to listen to stuff, you who can, uses the television? You can listen to naturists instead. <laughs> mm. This is all part of their bid to attract more residents. Smealplatz is a small village in Hertfordshire. The residents rarely allow the media to document their way of life. Well, that's reasonable, isn't it? I mean, I rarely allow the media to document my way of life. They're not allowed on the moon anyway. But no. um, but now they're starting a TV show because they want to recruit more naturists to live in their naked village. Again, a village can't really be naked. It can be a village of naked people. Yes. But uh, anyway, the town is trying to attract more young people as the average age is well over 60. See, this is the snag with uh, naturists. It's like, oh, that seems like a jolly good idea. Oh, no! They're worried their population might start dwindling. Mm. There's no difference between naturists and people who live up the street, says Isolt Richardson. What kind of a name is that? <laughs> it's all a bit Germanic. This it whole is thing bit, yeah. is becoming a bit Germanic. <laughs> Do you think they all carry swords as well? <laughs> They're all like blowing through alpine horns and stuff. <laughs> uh, but there is a difference. We're not cold. Plus, we're also not going to hell, but anyway. <laughs> Many times, listeners, we record this show naked. <laughs> You can get very hot on the moon base, yes, when, especially when the air Roasting. conditioning... Roasting. The air conditioning is just all over the place. <laughs> we all live normal lives, but are just lucky enough to live in this extraordinary place. It's like a small estate, he said. <laughs> okay. The show apparently will tackle various issues, such as whether or not visiting family members should be forced to strip off. <laughs> forced! No. <laughs> Crikey. Financial director Vic Lightfoot, 68, has had issues when his daughter was asked to leave for not disrobing, and his wife is unable to expose herself to the sun for health reasons. No. Mm -hmm. Naked gardening is apparently one of the many naked activities available in the naked village. Mm. Do um, they have naked darts in the pub? Oh, God, that's just dangerous, <laughs> isn't it? Apparently lack of funds has put the town's idyllic lifestyle at risk. I think they're working this up into a more <laughs> story than it actually is, because mm. I've heard of this place, and I think it's essentially just a naturist club. But the only difference is that people choose to live there year-round, which is a bit unusual. No, no, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> Let's not stick to the facts when we can spin this up into some kind of hysterical weirdness. These German naturists. German naturists <laughs> ruining the British countryside with their nudity that nobody knows anything about and doesn't really bother anybody. This is the thing, isn't it? I don't have any moral objection to nudity, but I do have a chilliness of it. That's the yeah. problem. It's too cold it in is, this country. It's not really the best country for it. You want to go somewhere nice and warm, don't you? <laughs> Never mind, one in five kids thinks Jesus Christ plays for Chelsea. <laughs> I assume that's a football team. A new survey has found that 20% of children believe Jesus Christ plays for Chelsea. <laughs> According to The Independent, a total of 1,000 children were asked a multiple-choice question as part of a survey. Who is Jesus Christ? A. A footballer for Chelsea. B. The son of God. <laughs> C. A TV presenter. D. X Factor contestant. Or E. An astronaut. This is where they went wrong. That's so long. Even <laughs> I was forgetting the question at the end of it. And the answer to everything is always X Factor contestant, isn't it? Because they're just going through the entire yeah. British Isles. That's right. Literally making everyone go on, whether they have a talent or not. It's like being conscripted into the army. <laughs> One in five of the children surveyed at the North London Shopping Centre chose option A. The result also shows that 25% of children think shepherds in Bethlehem found the infant Jesus using Google Maps. <laughs> and over half thought that Christmas Day marked Santa Claus's birthday. <laughs> education, is it? It's not, uh, it's not working, is it? Or I should say education, 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 shouldn't mm. I? Because saying things three times magically makes it happen. It does. That's gloomy, isn't it? That whole thing is gloomy. I didn't think that was going to be such a, such a downer, but it is. You have been used. Abba dabba, oga booga, hoogee, googee, yabba dabba doo. Thank you, Andy Zirconium. Thank you, sir. For that messianic selection of news stories, there'll be more on next week's show. Here, at the still centre of the turning year, December implores and implodes 
Night watchman on a vacant lot, it signals with remorseless code, calling, calling. As if from the womb, January listens with part-formed ears and grudging, kicks and cries to life another circus tour of weeks and days. Weaned on bread and water, storm and rain, February claws with broken nails at the window of the year. Dawn's screech-owl insistence denies denial. Contrasting moods there, I think we can safely say. That was the very jolly sound of Ambrose and his orchestra playing a little selection there of some traditional Hebrew dances from an album called Hanukkah and Traditional Jewish Music, which will appeal to uh, those of you who enjoy celebrating Hanukkah at this time of year. Before that, something perhaps for the slightly more pagan-oriented of you. The pagan radiophonic pagan crowd. radiophonic crowd. That was a track called Winter the poetry of Ronald Duncan there, given the radiophonic treatment by a member of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, David Kane. And you can get that on a fabulous trunk reissue, which features an interview between Julian House, no less, and David Kane, which has also been reproduced on Johnny Trunk's website, if you want to read it there. You were obviously tapping into the source of that there, MC Melanka. True. I felt that it might be something to do with improvised dance and movement, <laughs> and it was a made-for-children's education, an improvised yes. dance there. It's a shame they don't make such terrifying music for kids these days. I know. <laughs> well, oh, we should mention that was, in fact, called The Seasons, yeah. that album. Mm. Uh, drama Workshop Radiophonic Music there. Mm. Wonderful stuff. It, it did have a sort of a terrifying folk feel uh, and fecund yes. adolescent terror. <laughs> 
<laughs> about it, I would say. That's what we always look but for. Maybe that's just me. It is. We do look for that. <laughs> Music made by bearded men. Yes. And poets. There's a good picture of David Kane sitting at, I think, the Delaware synthesizer, sporting a rather sumptuous beard. Rather impressive. Wiry. Dark and wiry. <laughs> yes. We're going to step outside, as it were, into the world of outsider music. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know we've enjoyed dipping into the American Song Poem Library. There's a nice sort of adjunct to the collections that have come out previously. This is an all-Christmas edition that came out well, actually 2004. The album is called uh, The American Song Poem Christmas. Daddy is Santa really six foot four. We're going to play you a track from this, which has an interesting view on what represents the cornerstones of a modern-day Christmas celebration. Yeah, it just starts with drink, doesn't it? <laughs> it just starts with drink. Straight to drink. This... Understandable, because before you want to endure any Christmas activity, <laughs> you probably want at least a drink inside you, I would suggest. That's probably quite true, actually. If you're an adult. <laughs> I know children enjoy Christmas, but let's face it, nobody over the age of about 12 does. <laughs> That's the truth. This is the curiously named Norris the Troubadour with a tune called Christmas Time Philosophy. That's my Christmas time philosophy. Full punch bowls and happy living. Singing songs. In lots of giving, that's my Christmas time philosophy. Pumpkin pies and turkey roasting, snow on hillsides, sleighs out coasting, that's my Christmas time philosophy. Children sending letters off to Santa as Christmas time draws near. Wrapping presents and families gathering for feasting What a magic time of the year Keep those church bells ringing high on their steeples Everyone be kind to all people That's my Christmas time philosophy Jingle bells and happy living Singing songs so much given That's my Christmas time philosophy Children sending letters off to Santa As Christmas time draws near Wrapping presents and families gathering for feasting What a magic time of the year Jingle bells and happy living Singing songs and lots of giving That's my Christmas time philosophy My Christmas time philosophy My Christmas time philosophy My Christmas time philosophy You got my Christmas time philosophy You have my Christmas time philosophy
that selection started with Norris the Troubadour there with his Christmas time philosophy. Quite educational, isn't it, really, what Norris <laughs> is up to at Christmas? I'm not sure it jibes with what most people are doing, but no. now we know. We were just listening to Warner Jepsen with Good King Wenceslas and Deck the Holes there, a sort of snippet mm. from an album called Buckler Christmas, in which apparently he was uh, invited to play the Buckler, which is a synthesizer with no keyboard, Back in 1969, he was invited along to do a Christmas concert, but realised when he got there, he had no Christmas music, and no. so he just had to improvise the whole thing. <laughs> yes. And very it's interesting quite impressive, it actually, yeah. Particularly when you think he just probably did the whole thing with knob and dial Knobs twiddling. And dials, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, very strange. Anyway, and it's completely improvised. Yes, it's about 28 minutes long, and it's mostly him playing... <laughs> fragments of christmas carols and then towards the end i think he just kind of goes freestyle and a christmas styly christmas jazz a bit of christmas free jazz yeah and you can get that free on yes, bandcamp popped up on bandcamp yeah if you go to projectmoonbass.com there'll yeah. be a link to that that's right you can get that for freebies or if you're feeling generous you can give the man some money oh well. yeah that's probably the best course of action <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> don't just smash and grab no I have been DJ Donji. i hope you've enjoyed a faith neutral celebration throughout this week's edition of the show I have been MC Malanka, and I hope you've had an enjoyable community experience. (laughs) We're going to leave you with another, hopefully, faith-neutral celebration. I didn't quite realise this is actually an invention of the wonderful Seinfeld sitcom. Mm, Uh, Aluminium poles at the ready. Aluminium poles at the ready, yes. This is a festival that they came up with called Festivus. (laughs) (laughs) A gentleman called Joel Kopischke has formed a song around this, a modern-day carol, really. I hope this becomes more popular. Well, it's informative in, the, in a similar vein to It's Kwanzaa time. Yes, exactly. Full explanation of what's going yeah. on on Festivus. From a entirely festive album called I Got Yule, Babe. This is his modern day carol called O Festivus. Until next week, dear listener, a, a gleeful, multi-denominational celebration to you. Oh, Festivus, can you spare a square for me? By feats of strength, our must see TV. Frank Costanza will pin you first. stands before me, figure in black which points at me. Turn around quick and start to run. Next time on Project Moonbase, Moon Metal. Moon Metal.